private journey with Jesus is just the beginning. Connecting with others intensifies our light. Together we bring hope to the world. Christ, you, me, Cola. When I was young, my parents would often ask me this question. How much do you love me? See, as a family, we would play games and we would, we would wrestle and we would joke around and we'd tickle each other until as a young child, as a young boy, my heart was filled with so much emotion, so much, so much joy, so much laughter. It erupted in this phrase of, mom, dad, I love you. And they would look at me. And they would smile and in a quiet voice, they'd say, how much, how much do you love me? And now I was, as a child and a child's mind has difficulty processing the grand feelings of love, devotion, and commitment. There's not a lot of words you can put to it when you're so young. And so I thought, how do I show my love for my parents? And so I took my hands and I said, mom, dad, I, I love you this much. And they smiled and they said, wow. Well, you know what? Colin, I love you this much. And suddenly my brain clicked and I knew what was happening and I was not going to be outdone by my parents' actions. And so I rushed back even quicker and said, oh yeah, well, mom and dad, I love you this much. And with a smile that stretched almost as arms as, as wide as my arms and my back reached as far as it could, my arms and I said, mom and dad, I love you this much as big as I could show. And my dad got down close and he said, well, you know what? I love you this much. And with arms that seemed to span the length of the world and his great reach, he, grew, he reached to a level that I could never even hope to attain. And he said, I love you this much. And so I came back even quicker and I put my hands above my head and I stood on my tippy toes and I said, well, I love you. I love you this much, this much. But no, no matter what I did, no matter how tall I got, they seemed to always get taller and taller. And the game only finally ended when I had stacked sofas and cushions and chairs on top of each other and my hands nearly scraped the ceiling, at which point my parents would say, okay, that's probably enough. Perhaps they loved me enough not to let my tower collapse on top of me. Because as a child, I tried to struggle. How do I show how much I love them? And so I opened my arms. As I grew I became a teenager and I began developing relationships and friendships with my peers at school. And the question remained, how much do you love me? Now, of course, we would never use those words. We were far too cool to be that vulnerable. But the question would often remain. See, in late nights where we hung out with one another, in those quiet moments where we finally had a chance to be honest, we would begin telling each other, Secrets, things we hadn't told anyone else. We would whisper, you know, I really like that girl. I really like that boy. Or we'd, we'd say, I, I don't think I'm going to pass that test tomorrow. I don't, I don't think I'm going to pass this year. Or, or maybe we'd look at each other and say, I... 
I feel really lonely. Or maybe we would look at each other and we'd say, I'm pretty sure my parents don't love each other or any of us anymore. And in these words that were spoken, they would hang in the air like bombs descending towards the ground. And in that space, we would ask each other, how much do you love me? As we shared these vulnerable secrets and our eyes pleadedly asked, how much do you love me? Now, as a teenager, I suddenly realized saying this much was no longer applicable in that situation. So I learned and I said to them, this much. As I told them that their secret was safe with me. As I told them that it's okay. As I told them that we were still going to be friends, I learned that the question remained, but my experience changed. And I said, I love you this much by listening. When I became an adult, I fell in love with a girl. She was all kinds of special, something different from anything I had ever known. And I wanted to show her how much I loved her because that question was there. As we got to know each other, it was there. How much do you love me? And how do I show this wonderful woman how much I love her? And so I brought chocolates and flowers and notebooks filled with wonderful thoughts and musings. And, and I would bring them to her and I'd keep bringing her all these things as I would go off and do things and then bring them back to her. And I thought it was going well, but most of us would realize by now that love's a bit more complicated than that. I learned as an adult that love is multilingual. It actually speaks five different languages. I learned that I was speaking in terms of gifts. I would bring her things. I would do nice things. But this girl, she spoke a different language. What I spoke in gifts, she spoke in time. My currency was chocolates. Hers was ours. And as we communicated, we had to learn to speak a different language. I had to learn how to show her love in a different manner. I had to go off doing less things away from her, for her, and instead spend more time with her. Because that question remained, how much do you love me? And so I learned to show her with time, hours spent listening, being with her. One day in church, a preacher man got up to the pulpit and his shadow loomed large as his eyes got even bigger and with a big booming voice, he proclaimed, how much do you love God? I was a little taken aback. Hadn't thought of it in those contexts quite yet. And before I had a chance to think, he moved forward quickly, quickly, click, quickly, recalling stories of when he was younger. Remembering the early days of faith when his heart burned with fire. Remembering the days when he would wake up and want to sing songs of joy and praise to his creator and his maker. Days when he was so overwhelmed with love for his God that he could not help but smile everywhere he went. He talked about this enrapturous experience of how much he loved God. And I thought, I don't think I've loved anyone that much. And so he asked us, how much do you love God? If you love God enough, you should show it by doing all of these things. And then the sermon finished. And we all went back to our homes and we went back. And You know, sometimes questions, sometimes questions are like a fine mist in the morning. 
they're there and you see them, but as soon as the sun comes out and the day gets going, they disappear and they vanish and you never remember that they were even there in the first place. But sometimes questions are like storms with strong winds and pelting rain that hits so hard vertically that the water seeps in everywhere and your house is never the same for it. There is always marks of when that storm was there. See, for me, that question was not a mist, but a storm. And it raged and raged inside of my mind as I stuck out and I thought, how do I show my love for God? How do you show love for someone so unquantifiable, unknowable, untouchable, unthinkable, someone who needs nothing and knows everything? How do you express love for someone like that? How do you encounter someone like that? And so I cycled through what I had known. I thought back to a child and I thought, well, when I was a child, I showed love by having these emotions and I would raise my hands. And so surely that was enough for God. I would come in to church and we would sing these songs and I would raise my hands and say, God, I love you this much. I love you this much because I feel so good when I'm around you and I love all the things that you've done for me and, and I'm just so happy to be near you. And, and that was good for a while. But then I wondered, is... Is that all of it? Is that how we show all of our love for God? Is it just by raising our hands? And I began to worry that what if I just loved the feelings that God made me feel rather than loving him himself and maybe love was more complicated than that. And so I thought there has to be something else. So I thought to my time as a teenager where I showed love by listening and, and being with my friends and hearing about them. And I thought, maybe it's hearing about God. Surely I can do that. I mean, God knows we all spend enough time listening, right? If I, I began to think and I counted up the hours, well, I was a missionary kid and my daddy preached a lot of sermons and he liked to preach for a long time. And he preached a lot of nights and I had to go along to all those sermons that he preached. I began tallying up the hours. If I combined all the hours and the minutes that I had spent listening and listening and listening Maybe that could show my love for God. And I wondered how many days I would have spent listening or how many, how many weeks I'd have spent listening. And when I started thinking about how many months all those hours would have totaled up to, I thought maybe I should stop telling this up. But I thought maybe I could show my love to God by going and listening to some more. So I would just go and listen to lots of sermons. I would listen to lots of teachings. I would listen and learn lots about who God was. And, and, and that was good for a while. But I wondered, is, is that all the way we can show love to someone like God? I mean, does that really show love to someone like him when really I'm the one who's being enriched? I'm the one who's being grown. I'm the one who's being taught while God is still so far from that. Does that really show my love for someone like God? I need to do something for him, don't I? Because I began to think as an adult and I thought about my relationship and I, I thought maybe God and I were talking different languages. Maybe I was speaking gifts and he was speaking time. Maybe I was speaking time and he was speaking words. How do I show my love for someone like God? And so I thought maybe I should do things for him. Maybe I should give things to him. And so I thought maybe I should be tithing and maybe I should be giving and maybe I should be going to more church services and I should volunteer for things in the services and I should be more at church and I should, I should probably do more things at home so I should pray more. 
that's what I'll do. I'll spend more time praying and I'll, I'll spend more time reading my Bible and I'll, I'll keep trying to do some more of these things for God because maybe if I can do things for him, that will show him how much I truly, truly love him. And that was good. For a while. Until you shockingly realize that there is nothing God needs from any of us. God doesn't need our quiet times in the morning. God doesn't need our devotion. He doesn't need anything from us. And so how do you show love to someone who needs nothing? How do you do something for someone who you can't really do anything for? Because he is utterly complete in himself. And I thought, where do we go from here? How much do I love God and how do I show that love? And the question remained. A couple thousand years ago in a small, dank prison that was covered in mold and mildew that was freezing and that had very little amenities, there was a lone man named Paul. And in this small prison cell guarded by elite Roman guards, he manages to dictate a letter to a small church in the regions of the empire. To a city called Philippi, to a young congregation that was just beginning there. And now many of us, we've been traveling through this letter and there are so many wonderful things that Paul says. There's so many great thoughts he hits us with, being humble like Christ, laying down our lives for Christ, showing him our love through joy and rejoicing at whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. And then in this passage, there seems to be a pause. As what before seemed like God-ordained scripture, blowing our mind with every sentence and every line, instead we come to a part that resembles more of a shopping list than the divine-inspired word of God. We find a section where Paul just talks about some people that are going to be traveling back and forth. I've got my friend Timothy here. He's going to go to you. You sent me Epaphroditus. I'm going to send him back to you. And it's really easy for us to rush beyond those scriptures and move on looking for that next way of how we show love to God. But if we rush through these scriptures, we miss something so significant of them inside. As Paul is talking about Timothy and commending him to this church in Philippi, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not for those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. Because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Did you catch it? Did you catch this small moment, this question that's been hanging in the air? Did you catch how Paul answers it so subtly, but so profoundly? See, in commending Timothy, Paul wants to show how respectable Timothy is, how great a man Timothy is. And so Paul begins to show how much Timothy loves God. That question is there in that verse. How much do you love God? And Paul says, let me show you all the ways that Timothy does. But now it's fascinating the way that he does it. In this letter, you do not say Paul is saying, 
look, I have no one like Timothy who preaches the gospel as he does. I have no one like Timothy who prays the way that he does. I have no one like Timothy who is as wonderful in all these magical ways as he is. No, what is the one thing that Paul commends Timothy for? I have no one else like him who shows genuine concern for your welfare. See, because everyone else was looking out for number one. Paul's already talked about them in the beginning of this letter. He says there are those in this community who are preaching the gospel for selfish reasons. They're proclaiming Christ so that their own name can be lifted up. Oh, they're pious and they pray and they talk a good game. But when it comes down to it, they don't care about you or me. But Timothy, he has shown how much he loves God. How? By how much he loves you. He has shown how much he loves God by how much he loves you. And before we know it, Paul moves on to the next person, to a person called Epaphroditus. And he says, I think it's necessary to send back to you, Epaphroditus, my brother, my coworker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him. Because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give to me. Again, you see Paul commending this person. The question hangs high in the air. How much do we love God? How do we show love for God? How do we know that this person is trustworthy and someone who follows God? Of all the things that Paul could commend, what is the work of God that Epaphroditus has done? See, when the Philippians heard that Paul had been arrested and taken into jail, they knew that jail at that time was not a pleasant place to be. Here we have the state that has responsibilities that it does an okay job at. But in Rome, the state had no responsibilities for prisoners. If you were in prison and you wanted to eat, you better have friends who can come bring you food. If you are in prison and you want to be clothed, you better have some friends that can come and bring you some clothes because we are going to do nothing for you. And the Philippians heard that Paul was going to be in prison and they thought he might not know anyone there. We have to do something. We have to do something. And so they sent Epaphroditus with money, food, and clothes. And Epaphroditus made the long journey over hundreds and hundreds of kilometers into a region he did not know, into an area where he did not have networks, all so that he could love someone else because he showed genuine concern for someone else's welfare. And Epaphroditus became sick and injured, and throughout the course of the journey, he came within a breath of death. But God restored him. And so Paul sends him back with all honor, proclaiming, do you not know that you should honor men like this? Because they have shown their great love for God. How? through loving one another. See, for us, this question looms high. 
And if you've been in church a while, this is a question that will often come up. How do you show that you're a really devoted Christian? How do you show that you really love God? And there's lots of things that we can do, and we often focus on a lot of those things. We've got that, that amazing verse, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so we spend a lot of time loving God, and we somehow disassociate the two. How easy it is for us as Christians to become like those Pharisees when they saw a man broken and beaded by the side of the road. They say, hey, look, We'll come back to you, but right now I'm late for a meeting that I got to get to. There's a church event I need to be a part of. There's some prayers I need to pray. There's some religious acts I need to perform. And we can so focus on loving God that we forget that we have to love our neighbor. Or perhaps you're, you're not a Christian here today, or maybe you're coming here from the outside looking in, or you're just new to faith and you're wondering, what kind of God is this? How do I show my love for God? There's probably a huge list of demands and things I need to meet. I probably need to not do this. I need to not do this. I need to talk, not talk like this. I need to not say these words. I need to not like, act like that. I need to present myself like per someone like this, and then I can show my love for God. Well, maybe it's something simpler than that. See, Paul, in these small verses, answers this question, how do we show our love for God? You could ask, ask the question in the same way, how much do you love others? You cannot disassociate the two. To love God is not disassociated from loving your neighbor. But to show our love for God, we must in fact love our neighbor. And in the words of Jesus, that means loving both the people that we find it really easy to love, our friends, the people who look like us, act like us, talk like us. But it also means loving the people whom we have nothing in common with. It means loving those liberals who are pushing this secular agenda, trying to kick God out of schools and limit our own rights. It means loving them with the love of God that wants to see them flourish and grow in his kingdom. It means loving those hate-spewing conservatives who want to close down our borders and don't love anyone other than the people who look like themselves and push their religious dogma in a way we feel uncomfortable with. Well, we have to love them too. We need to love those teenagers who are self-centered and just want to rebel and won't listen to any of the wise things we need to say, but we also need to love those old people who are just stuck in their traditions and don't ever want to change. We need to love the refugees who come from lands far off, who've run from famine and heartache and terror in order to try and find a new place and end up in a country where they know no one or the language. We have to love them. We have to love the immigrants who are coming to our shores that don't speak the same language as us and are trying to find a place within our society, within work, within schools, who don't have the networks that we do. We must love them. Because at its core for us, to love God, we show that by loving our neighbor, by loving those around us. It is the calling that we have received. In the words of John, this is our command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. Let us be known as a community of radical, sacrificial, reckless, uncomfortable, awkward, endangering love. 
and that all we come across, that we see in their face, the face of Jesus Christ. And we show our love and devotion to God through caring for the person sitting right beside us. Let's pray. Jesus, we can often complicate things really easily. In our heads, there's probably a long list of things that we need to do in order to show our love for you. And, and really, for a lot of us, if we, don't, if we don't feel like we're meeting that standard, if we don't show our love for you properly, you probably don't really even love us that much. We think that if we don't meet your standard, then we're unlovable. But God, I thank you that you have always loved us first, not because of what we do, but because of who you are. You call us sons and daughters while we are still far away from you, and you bring us into your family by your grace. And so, Lord, we hear your call, and we take it very seriously this morning. The same love with which you have loved us, Lord, help us to love others. Help us to break outside of our boundaries, out of our fears, out of our insecurities. And help us to understand that prayer and service are two sides of one coin that cannot be split apart or taken apart from one another, but it's one act of love and devotion to you. Help us to live that holistic life that, love, that loves you when we are by ourselves and loves you when we are with our communities that loves you when we, when we are with our enemies, that loves you when with we, are, we are with people whom we love, when we love people with whom we feel so uncomfortable around. Jesus, make us into that community of self-giving, self-sacrificial love. And may we show our love for you in that way. In your name we pray.